Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta, Georgia. My name is Kevin Chouinard. Just wanted to get you caught up to date on a few things. I'm here at McCamish Pavilion for the second and final Hawks home preseason game. I guess it's technically their last home game before they open the regular season at State Farm Arena for their first game in the newly renovated building. I just wanted to get you caught up on a few things here. Uh, starting with the coaching staff. When Lloyd Pierce was hired, he put together a group of assistant coaches. He's got Melvin Hunt, Chris Gent, Greg Foster, Marlon Garnett, and Matt Hill. Uh, Melvin Hunt has previous head coaching experience. He has been a head coach for, uh, for the Denver Nuggets, and he's been an assistant coach in a number of places. Uh, They've also got Chris Gent, who was a holdover from last season's staff under Mike Budenholzer. They have Greg Foster, who has a history of working with big men, but may take on a slightly different role here. Uh, Marlon Garnett, who, in addition to being an experienced assistant coach, was also Coach Pierce's teammate at Santa Clara and Matt Hill. Um, So, you know, I wanted to ask Coach Pierce... You know, what would be the roles of each of the coaches? You know, we've got a lot of new people coming in from a lot of different places. And, you know, typically workloads are split up. You know, one guy specializes in this, another specializes in that. And I wanted to find out from Coach Pierce how he looked at the allocation of tasks uh, among his assistant coaches. And here's what he said. When you came here, you had the reputation of doing a lot of defensive stuff for Philly. Are there any no, any roles that you think uh, your staff is going to have? Like, is Greg going to work with the big guys or anything like that? I know it's early, but... Yeah, you know, I, I got five guys that are going to coach. Uh, and, you know, the way I grew up in the NBA is every coach I work for empowered. And it's the only way I'm going to be able to do it. So... It's not as cutthroat or cut broken down as uh, as we did it in Philly, but similar. Greg focusing on the defense. Matt and Marlin are doing the game preps, so there's kind of a three-man group defensively for every game we go into. Like this is Matt Hill's scout, okay, and he and Greg work together to present it. Last game was Marlin's scout. He and Greg worked together to present it. So that's kind of how we're doing the game prep and the defense. Uh, Gent, and Mar- Gent and Melvin are both working on two areas offensively. Melvin's running on working on our pace and our spacing. Gent's working on our flow and our motion and our execution. Uh, two different two different looks. You know, after a miss, we're running. And how do we run? How do we space? It's not about how fast. It's really about how how coordinated are we offensively. Do we have our shooters in the corners? Do we open up the floor? Is our big run weak side? Uh, that's a big area of emphasis for us to score before the defense gets set. That's where Melvin's focusing his, his efforts. When we don't have that and we've got to play against a set defense, how do we continue to get ball and body movement? That's what Jen is focusing on. Um, so when you tie in, Jen's got our flow and our motion, and Melvin's got our pace and our space, and Greg is focusing on our defense, and Marlon and Matt are assisting him with the game preps. It's kind of how we have it broken down. 
terms of players, uh, you know, everybody's different. Obviously, Greg's working more with the fives. Matt's a little bit with the fours. Uh, Marlon's working closely with the ones. And Chint's working with the wings. And then Melvin has uh, kind of an assortment. He's got Vince and John Collins. So it's, it's kind of a weird, you know. Um, and I think, and there's a reason behind all of it. Nate Babcock is working with Kevin and Jeremy Lynn. So it's not as clear. We try to try to let that happen organic. You know, we've been together for four or five months. And, you know, Nate and Jeremy have history in, Jerk in Brooklyn. So there's a connection there. When Jeremy got here, they gravitate him and let them work together. Why try and force something that, you know, right from the start, Marlon and Trey hit it off very well. Marlon ends up going to Oklahoma and working Trey's camp and getting some workouts there. They just hit it off from Gerg's camp to Summer League to Trey's camp to now, and you see them shooting together now. So, you know, some of it was organic, mm -hmm. and it's, I think it's better that way instead of trying to force, you know, something that's not authentic or not real. I think that's the relational side that we're trying to build here is, you know, Gent has worked with John in addition to DeAndre in addition to Torian. Gent was the hangover, the carryover from last year. The guy that has relationship with some of the older guys that were here. It's good to keep that connection that they've had and keep working on stuff they probably worked on last year. Uh, we'll see throughout the year, you know, and this is every staff. Marlon and Trey are going to get sick of each other. And so Trey's going to need Melvin in his ear for a little bit or whomever else in his ear for a little bit. And that naturally will happen as well. I'm a slow podcaster, so uh, apologies if this seems to have a fuzzy chronological order. But uh, after the game last night, Jeremy Lin was asked about his blocked shot. I think he got uh, Andrew White near the rim, and he was pretty honest and candid in his answer. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I saw the, the replay, because uh, they showed it on the they showed it on the clip, but uh, that's one of those things where you always think that uh, you get really high, and then you watch the replay, and you're like, man, it's, it didn't look nearly as cool as I thought it was, you know, I thought it was at the rim, and it was, you know, no, I was at the backboard, bottom of the backboard. Uh, but hey, I was there, right? That was something that I couldn't do just last week. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, I think for me, I, can, I couldn't even play in the last preseason game. Just heavy legs, heavy everything. So it's coming, it's, it's coming along, and uh, I think the block was definitely a positive sign in the right direction. I have been very impressed with Amari Spellman. Um, he's a fun person to talk to. He brings a ton of energy. He's his own biggest critic. And he's played so far with a lot of skill, especially considering that he's played this handful of preseason games that he has played with a short turnaround time from an injury that he had that held him out of most of training camp. So, you know, I'm really high on what Spellman can do. He's shown a ton on offense. He can shoot. I've been even more impressed with his passing. He runs the floor hard on fast breaks. And defensively, he shifted back and forth between the power forward and center spots. I think he feels a lot more comfortable at the center spot at this point. And so I asked Lloyd Pierce about, you know, what he needed to do 
to get more comfortable when he's playing power forward. Having a couple of games to look at Amari, I mean, obviously there's some promising things there, like how he sees the passes and, and finds open players. Defensively, what does he have to do to to, to make it stick? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's using that aggression, using that emotion, using that energy to his benefit. You know, a lot of it's just when you're a young player, there is no break. You know, you're going to get back doors, you're going to get hit for an offensive rebound for guys that have great positioning. Um, so just understanding the engagement part, just being engaged the entire time he's on the court, and then using his strengths, his physical abilities, uh, his competitive nature, uh, and his advantage. You know, sometimes, yeah, he's talking, 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 the guy cuts back door. So it's just a matter of him staying engaged, understanding that he's going to be playing against some very skilled and elite players that are going to take advantage of him being too high in a pick and roll or too far back in a pick and roll. Where we need him to be is where he needs to be, and he has to learn that. But, you know, I, I thought a lot of he's leading us in offensive rebounds. He's only played two games. Uh, obviously, his ability to stretch the floor, you see him make a three. And then his ability, you know, he doesn't get rewarded as much, but all our bigs, their ability to run the floor has created open three. We want to knock them down, but we're getting the shots we want, and that's the beauty of it. Excellent. Yep. Appreciate your time, Coach. You got it. Rule number one of covering the NBA, never, ever ask Greg Popovich a bad question. Wednesday, he was asked if the process of playing without DeJounte Murray begins now. Um, uh, the process of playing without DeJounte, does that pretty much begin now? And well, I would say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a game tonight, he's not here. It begins now. You are on it. You are on it. <laughs> Dear golly goodness. Uh, I did not mean to laugh that loud, and I hope it's only coming across that way on the track because I was standing closer to my own microphone than everyone else was. Popovich was also asked about diversity in the NBA, but he got sidetracked mid-question because in McCamish Pavilion, where the Georgia Tech basketball team plays, there is about a 200-foot walking ramp at about a 15 degree incline, and Popovich took note of it. I was going to ask you about diversity. How many in the times league? are we going to have to walk up this thing? It's good cardio. With Georgia Tech's opponents, they, is this, did they do yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Yep. Wow. It's exhausting. ACC is brutal. Yeah. If they're still in the ACC. They are. Okay, good. I lost yeah. track of this. <laughs> they are. I used to know who was in what conference. I figured you would. Put one in these at the AT&T Center. Exactly. Get um, I, I wanted to ask you about diversity because there was a report that, that came out that said NBA was kind of at the forefront as far as, as hiring top jobs but being diverse about it. And you were specifically mentioned as sort of leading the way. Um, and, you know, you've got like Becky Hammond and... Uh, before that, the, you know, a head coach now that's the first Hispanic head coach in Charlotte um, was on your bench prior to that. But just, I guess, how much have you seen this league uh, change and, and how much farther do you think it needs to go? Well, I think, uh, you know, Adam Silver gets the credit for creating an environment where diversity was important. Uh, he's a very progressive individual. Uh, the best example I can give you is um, two, three, four summers ago, uh, I always loved trekking around New York City in the summertime. Uh, and I was doing exactly that. And 
all of a sudden here comes all these floats and everything. It was the gay parade. And uh, he was on a float with his wife, and I forget what the sign said, something like, you know, the NBA and diversity, or I can't really remember, but he was standing proud, and uh, I, w- I was so proud. Just, I almost want to jump and say, Adam, good job, he's amazing. <laughs> uh, so he, he's really made sure uh, that everybody from top to bottom uh, in the NBA understands uh, what our responsibilities are, and uh, that means off the court. Uh, as much as on the court. He, he's the guy, not me, in all honesty. I've been bugging Coach Pierce at every shoot-around about you know, what his starting lineups are going to be in the short term. Chris Vibbamore of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution asked him something a little more big picture uh, about what the opening day lineups might be and, you know, what the lineups might be if everybody's healthy. Trey's been basically the healthiest point guard and the most consistent okay. point guard with Jeremy progressing great, but progressing. Right. Um, and so that that's, in a lot of ways, an easy way for me to just, just keep what we have going. Um, been the most consistent from day one at that spot. And, you know, Dwayne, we're excited at some point to get back, but he's a guy that started at the five all of last year. And, you know, that'll be a healthy debate at some point during the year when he's back. But, you know, we just want healthy bodies to get back. And I think we'll be excited about what that conversation looks like when it comes up. Torian Prince is a good interviewee, at least in the preseason iteration of the Hawks locker room at Georgia Tech. He's nestled in a corner with Trey Young, Vince Carter, and Jeremy Lin, where I think it's easy to get lost in the media crush. But I just wanted to play a longer clip from Torian talking on a few topics, including uh, Trey Young's game winner, uh, you know, adjusting from a hot start to the rest of the game, and just the overall team culture. Uh, I mean, that comes from a lot of time together. Um, we've been together for about probably a month and a half, longer than any other team probably has. Um, <clears throat> so we're just trying to get it all figured out and uh, trying to continue to build on what we do every day and uh, the things that we see in and you know, off the court. And just trying to put it all together. What was your reaction when you saw Trey pull up with that team? I mean, I really didn't have a reaction until it went in. Um, just, I knew he was walking up. I knew he was walking the ball. I was looking at the shot clock. Um, I was pretty much just only one worried about when he was going to go. Um, but his man, his man's hands was down, and it was a big shot by Vitaly. Have you seen him pull up from that deep in practice? And has he consistently been? Have you ever watched Trey Young? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen him pull up from there? Yeah, for sure. So I mean, that's just what he does. Um, he's a big shot taker and a big shot maker, and he's electrifying. And I'm glad to have him on team. The Spurs were up for a while in the fourth quarter. You get that big corner three. Is it hard when you're that fiery hot in the first quarter to kind of get that feel again in the fourth? Uh, nah, I mean, I, I mean the great ones do it. The great ones play um, like I did in the first throughout the whole game, and that's part of me becoming a pro. And um, it's been a, it's been kind of a stunt for me um, since college, just trying to put two halves together, and uh, I'm getting pretty good. I'm getting better at it. I would I would say. And I'm uh, just trying to continue to put a whole entire game together. And once I start to get that down, I think 
I think it'll be pretty exciting to see. Can you talk briefly about just the team chemistry, you being the older guy mm -hmm. now and a bunch of new guys? Talk yeah. about the chemistry. Well, I mean, the thing about it is we're always joking around with each other um, on and off the court. Uh, and I think a very big thing for us is guys are allowed to have their own voice. Uh, it's not just us older guys that are telling them to do something. Um, Trey's directing traffic. He's telling me um, what to do, where to be sometimes, and vice versa. Uh, I think that that lets guys know that they're a part. Um, gives them that freedom to be themselves, and um, that's big for a young team to find their way in the NBA. All right, I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of topics, but we're going to keep this pod pretty short and sweet with just quick comments and quotes. Uh, so I want to end with a little bit of Lloyd Pierce talking about how the Hawks measure whether or not they've been successful on transition offense. You know, we mentioned before he talked about how Melvin Hunt was the assistant coach really in, in charge and tasked with the, the goal of making that transition offense efficient. And here Pierce talks about, you know, what he's looking for. You talked about pace a little bit last night. Is there anything technical that you have to coach up in between, like getting the defensive rebound and you know getting those yeah. first one or oh, two yeah. passes out? First three steps. First three steps is what we measure. Uh, you know, what is our reaction to a missed shot? What is our reaction to a turnover? It's our first three steps. You know, the guy that's complaining about a call, we got to take off. While he's complaining, we have to take off because now we've got five on four, four on three. Uh, so our measure, when we watch film, it's what is our reaction to the play. Turnovers, you know, it's a blowout. And missed shots, you know, once we secure the rebound, we have a point guard. Other guys know their roles and their lanes. You know, tough ones are after makes, and that's a different kind of discipline. You know, how quickly can we get it out of the net? How quickly can we get it up the floor? How far can we get it up the floor? You know, forget hanging your hat. While they're celebrating, you got one end where they're complaining, you got another end where they're celebrating, take off. So we can measure all three, and we look at all three. And when you got 21, 21, 20, <laughs> you know, and we know we're not getting calls, or, we're, you know, under the assumption we're not getting calls, we're just going to react. We're going to take off. So that, that's our measure. First three steps, the reaction after regardless of what play. All right, then. Uh, that's a wrap. Are the podcast endings still awkward when it's just me and not me together with Tyler? They probably are. Uh, enjoy your weekend and get ready for the beginning of the Hawks season, the regular season, next week. <laughs>